Hey everybody, welcome to the Klein Student Ministries Podcast. This is Marshall, and I'm so excited for this episode and this week. It's very special. Uh, we had a student, Jillian, who went to Peru for three weeks, not just for like an excursion and for a fun trip. She actually went and served in the most arguably extreme circumstances in hospitals and to orphanages and to children in need. And so it's pretty powerful. We relate it to the story of the treasure hidden in the field. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear it and listen to it. So thanks so much. Looking forward to you hearing it. Hello in Spanish. Hola. 
we'll, we'll get, hey, we'll have time for you guys to ask questions in a sec. Okay, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. His puppy's coming out of him, we have to settle him down. Yeah, okay. Uh, yes. Yep. So then, uh, so, remember what we talked about? Stop talking to me, please. So uh, you're in for, for three weeks, and you said you were, you were going to um, help people, maybe less forcefully or different, different environment, circumstances you. What kind of work were you doing over there? So um, when I got there, I discussed it with the with and we decided that the best place for me to work would be in, at the clinic that was for handicapable children. So um, the oldest child was probably 14. Um, every single one of them was in a wheelchair. They were all super cute and um, my job was to play with them, nurture them, feed them, brush their teeth. They can't really do anything for themselves because they all have some sort of spinal issue that makes them incapable of a lot of movements and they also all have some type of mental illness going on, um, so a lot of them aren't overly aware or capable of communicating in very many ways, so you have to help them with a lot of things, but you can, they're so awesome, they're so cute. Oh my gosh, that's, yeah, you guys can buy that too if you want, that's really cool. Uh, wow, so, uh, did, so what, so from the work that you're doing and helping those kids who are all handicapable, if you, as you said, were there any that really stuck out, any moments that stuck out, like cool stories you had or those experiences or anything? Because you, you worked in two different environments, right? Hospital and, yeah. uh, what was the other the orphanage. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, the main place that stuck out to me was the hospital, and there were three specific kids who stuck out. Um, there's not a picture of her because um, she was a mess, but um, there was one little girl, Luciana, who was adorable. She was probably five years old. Um, she wore pink every single day. And um, she was just the cutest little thing. She was so happy and energetic every time I walked in the door. She wanted to give me a great big hug. She was so much fun to play with because while she couldn't walk very much, she could take a couple steps, so she was a little bit easier to play with. And um, they had like this little, like almost like turf that they had inside in this little play area so that the kids could experience grass. And so I would play with her every single day and she was just the cutest thing. And I, she was the one that I helped to feed. Um, I probably had the greatest relationship with her and then another kid named Anibal. Um, he was seven and he was the cutest he could think. He had these cute little glasses that had, he had to wear around his head because... Um, we have a picture of him, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll show him a little bit. Um, and he was so cute. He could not move his legs at all, so he was pretty hard to, look, uh, to play with and, you know, you couldn't really throw a ball or anything with him, but um, in this little play area, they had these fish in a fish tank. And every single day, the second that he got to go into this play area, the first thing he would do is he'd look at me and he'd point to the fish. And I'd go and I'd stand there with the fish, with him, for 15 minutes easily. And he'd just watch them and he'd point to them and he just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I just learned so much from him because he was so happy with so little. All he needed to cheer him up was to look at the fish. And I thought it was the coolest thing because he was struggling with so much. But just fish alone, like just the image of these cute little fish cheered him up, and it was so stinking cute. That's awesome. Um, so obviously, there's a big culture shock for you, um, maybe even traveling-wise. Um, was there any sort of uh, what, what was the biggest culture shock for you when when you got there? Besides um, the fact that you were the only one speaking English. 
Well, uh, the biggest culture shock to me was probably, I mean, I didn't go through anything major. There's not too much that's different other than the language. Um, but it was probably the transportation, honestly. <laughs> what about? Um, no one really drives themselves. You take taxis and buses everywhere. And um, they are not very good drivers, like, at all. It's really bad. I was kind of terrified. Are there any, like, traffic laws or anything like that? Or, like, um, they have policemen, but... They're just like, come on, just keep going, yeah, whatever you're doing. Um, I mean, people will, like, there would be a car right here, and there would be a car right here, and they'd want to, like, transfer lanes, and then they'd, like, almost hit each other across. It was terrifying. So I walked everywhere I went, because I did not want to get in a traffic Um... And then probably the way that they treat their dogs there. Yeah, it's, it's not pleasant. No! Like, I mean, there are some. <laughs> it's, it's not that bad. It's just, like, there are some that are humane and have, like, pet dogs. Like, the lady that I was staying with, she had a dog, the cutest little thing, Maximus. Um, but a lot of dogs there don't have owners. Like, they're not. roaming the streets everywhere. And it's really sad to watch because these dogs will just dart across the street and they don't have owners, they don't have food or clean water, and it's really sad to watch because you walk through and you see the pain in the dog's eyes. So, uh, again, uh, culture shock, travel shock, whatever. Was was there a moment of, uh, like, because you're not yet 18, you're 17, right? And so you just graduated and you've been to another country before, but you don't really remember everything from no, that. No, I was with my mother. And yeah, you were with someone. So this is the first time by yourself going, was there any sort of like, what, what happened when you traveled? I know something big happened and it was like. So um, when I first got to the airport, everything was fine. My first plane flight, everything was good. And then I got to Lima and the Lima airport is not, <laughs> not pleasant. It's not a pleasant experience. The people are not the nicest. No one speaks English and you're trying to figure out your way around this airport, and you have no idea where you're going, what you're doing. And when I first got off the plane, the first thing I found out was that my bags didn't have a direct transfer to my next flight. So I had to pick up all my bags from baggage claim. And then I had to, from there, find where I was supposed to recheck them in, which I could not find. For the love of God, I was walking outside, and by the way, this airport is not in a nice area. It's like a sketchy part of Lima. So they have to like have guards standing outside at all the doors. But to get to the check-in area, you have to walk outside every single time with all of your bags. And if you have to go to the bathroom and leave the check-in area, you have to go back outside to get back in. So I was already struggling because I've got all these bags and there's nothing to do with them except hold them. So my arms are like turning bright red. And I finally find this check-in and I get rid of two of my bags, which is good. I just have my carry-ons now, so that's okay. And I get to the security where I think I'm supposed to go. Well, there's this guy that tells me I'm in the wrong spot. So I start walking around trying to find where to go. I can't find anything. So I stop in the middle of the hallway in this Lima airport and I call my mom. And I actually just start stopping in the middle of the airport. It was really bad. It was really funny. It was really bad. And um, Only you would call yourself sobbing in the middle of public. It was funny. Like, that's it's not how I'm going to respond to that. Looking back on it now, it was funny because I really. I would do that. 
because they didn't know this was going to happen. They can't get in touch with anyone there that can tell me where to go. Um, so finally, I'm standing in front of the United Baggage Claim, or the United Baggage, like, area where you can go if, like, you have a lost baggage claim or something like that. And so finally, someone walks up that speaks English, and I'm like, do you know where I'm supposed to go? And they were like, oh, we well, go here. I had been in the right spot the first time. The guy was just stupid and didn't know what he was talking about. So I finally got through security, and then everything was fine. So, I think you did a lot of different things besides helping out. You did excursions and things like that. Um, and we'll get to those topics in the, in the picture and stuff. But um, where, if, if anywhere, where do you think you experienced or felt the presence of God the most working through you and then through the people you're around? So first, where did you think you experienced God working through you when you were on this trip? Um, probably the airport. Really? Yeah. Because I was going through so much and like I was just so stressed out. I didn't know what to do. I had never traveled by myself, let alone to another country. And so I didn't really know how to handle anything. And at that moment when I just broke down in the middle of the airport, uh, when I called my mom, the first thing that she told me was like, pray. Like, pray to God, ask him like, what do I need to do? And so I did that and it calmed me down a little bit. I took a little while, but about 30 minutes later, I was fine. And I was able to go back and recheck, and I, it, I was able to get through. Um, so I probably felt him the most there, or at the top of Rainbow Mountain. Because you, you probably thought you were going to die or get kidnapped or something like that, right? Yeah, I really did. It was in a really sketchy area. <laughs> and then what about through the people that you were around with? If um, any of those I probably felt it the most from um, the girl that actually came my third week while I was there. Um, her name is Nellie, and she's actually Marsha's age. She's 26. And, um, okay. She's 26, whatever. Yeah, anyway, um, those of you who thought I was 30 plus in your face, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so she's actually not Christian, she um, grew up in a Muslim family, um, she's from Afghanistan, and so she's more of a spiritual person right now. But um, she was very intrigued by Christianity and wanted to know more about it. So it really gave me a chance to open up and share my experiences and that kind of thing with her because she was curious. Even though she's not necessarily looking to join, she wanted to know more about it. So it was a really cool experience for me to be able to share and go deeper into what I know because I was having to share it with someone else. That is super cool. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so uh, so in case you haven't been here, you whether you have or haven't, past few weeks, uh, and really a lot of the semesters we're going to be doing is looking at the stories of Jesus, the stories that Jesus told, the parables. What's a parable? Parable is a story oh, called story. Story. Yes, and, and in what oh, way? Though? But it's not what Relating to unfamiliar or familiar things? Familiar things. Close. You're close. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, the story of the, the story of the treasure in the field is one of my favorites. Uh, if you were on those, is anybody actually on our first Rivers and Roads who was here? A few of you guys. Yeah, there's a handful. And when we, went to, when we went to Austin, yeah. And so the treasure, uh, the story of the treasure in the field uh, reads like this. Juju, go ahead, read it nice and loud for us. Yeah, so it's, this is my favorite uh, story, really, in the Bible, because it is the simplest, like, two-sentence 
explanation, 30 plus words of what it's like when you follow Jesus. Um, when you discover the, the great joy that Jesus brings and the life that he gives uh, and the hope that he gives and the forgiveness that he gives, and, and it's a new life. And so everything else that you have behind you doesn't matter because you're only looking ahead to the great things that he has for you. Regardless if it's scary, regardless if you have no idea what's going on, which, who can read the future here? Anybody? Nope. Uh, and it's scary. But if you trust and believe that he's going to get you where you need to be, he will. And so I'm only sharing that because, and she's going to hate that I'm doing this, but I don't care. Uh, this girl right here, 100% uh, did that by going to Peru. It, like, when, right when she graduated, uh, like weeks after she graduated, she went on a plane to a country she didn't know and a culture that she doesn't know around people that do not speak her language, working in a uh, very, um, very difficult situation with, with children who, who are um, disabled or, or incapable or not able to do things that, uh, that we are not able to do or, not, or that we are able to do on a regular basis. And there, there's water issues and, and plumbing issues that they deal with and then uh, helping with an orphanage and, the, the, and so it's just her leaving and, and her comfortable nice life what she could have done is immediately when she graduated I'm going on a three week cruise peace out y'all peace out I just did three peace out y'all peace out peace out there we go three there we go uh, and, and did that but instead uh, she believed that something greater was ahead for her and so she went and shared the, the love of the gospel of Jesus to children to uh, what was her roommate's name again? Nilly, um, and, and she had the opportunity to actually change the world three weeks. Uh, maybe you don't think it's changing the world, but who knows the kind of joy that she shared with the children that she was in contact with, with, with the people that she came in contact with, and actually gave them the opportunity to do that, the privilege that she got to do that. And so the, what she did by leaving her normal circumstances to go and enjoy and, and go in a scary part of the world um, for her and, and, uh, and to, to be brave into doing that, that is the gospel of Jesus right there. That, that is the, the hidden treasure in the field. And so some of you guys are like, well, I can never afford a trip like that. That can never happen. You would be surprised if you told us to help you out to get a fundraising attack when you graduate for you to do this. How many people from this church and parents around here who would help support you to raise money so you can do something like this? That uh, This is something that not only can change your life, but change the people that you're going to impact as well. Um, so... Uh, we're not finished, but thank you for, for doing that because you, you're the example of, of, of this verse, I think, for us to, to look at. So that, and a lot of you guys sitting down are too. You just don't know it yet. Uh, or maybe you do and you're just waiting for your opportunity. So uh, thank you for, for helping us uh, see that our, our example. Yeah, you can clap. Come on. Uh, so. Yeah, Jillian had on her trip, and uh, you can kind of share what it is, what's happening here. So where are you at? Um, so I'm at Rainbow Mountain. Um, Wait, where? Rainbow Mountain. Rainbow Mountain. It's about three hours from Cusco, where I was. Um, right then, I'm probably like 15,000 feet. I don't know, give or take. I don't know. Um, I will say that that is probably the hardest hike of my life. I felt like I was actually going to die. Um, but it was really, really worth it. Um, on a scale of one to ten, I'll go back. Go back, Jason. On a scale of one to ten, how much were you about to puke before you smiled for this picture? Because all you kept um, saying was, "Yeah, that hike was fun, but I'm not want to do it again." So I'm not willing to do that again. Um, this picture, I wasn't about to puke. It was actually at a different picture. Uh, 
this hike, if you don't know, Cusco is already at 11,000 feet, which is pretty high compared to like where we are. Um, well, this hike starts at 14,000 feet and ends at 17,000 feet. So by the time that I got to 17,000 feet, I was genuinely positive that I was gonna like that. Like it was bad, like my lungs were not functioning. I was just ready to like, I'm done, I'm over it, I'm ready to leave. But then, my lovely tour guide was like, well, we're gonna get down a little bit, but then I'm gonna take y'all to Red Valley, which has to go back up. It was great. Uh, Jason, I think there's another picture of the Rainbow Mountain up there. Yeah, I think. Not that one, I think it's the... We'll go back to this one. She's like facing the mountain, sitting down. Sorry, well, we kind of put these out of order, but that's because we... There it is, that's the one. Look at that, man. That's Red Valley. That's where I went after I had to go back up. Um, but I'm so glad I went back up because that was probably my favorite part of the entire trip was that view right there. Holy it was God. so cool. And so, she was telling me it was really cloudy day, as you can see. So, like, when it's not cloudy, it really legitimately looks like a rainbow. Uh, it's like all kinds of beautiful red and blues and uh, yellows and magentas and all of those other colors that are on the mountain. There's seven colors. It's the mountain of seven colors. The mountain of seven colors. Yeah. Feel all the colors of the wind. Uh, so, okay. Uh, but this is the picture that you thought you were going to hurl, right? Is this the one? No. No? No. It's only. When do we actually see a picture of you throwing up? That's what I want to know. That's what the people want to know. Oh, okay. I didn't throw up. Okay. Well, we're going to miss out on that. Although I did wake up in the middle of the night one night. Well, actually, that night when I got back. Having the, the worst headache of my life. Elevation. So, oh my god, it's horrible. That is so. So what's so what's the other one, Jason? That we skipped, I think, of her on the steps. Oh. Where's, where's that? At? Um. So that's Oliente Tombo. It's part of Sacred Valley. Say that slower. What is that? Oliente Tombo. Oliente Tombo. It's a Quechua thing. Um. It's an Incan civilization. Um. It was part of the Sacred Valley. So it's like on the road to Machu Picchu was the Sacred Valley, and it's places that you go that they would go through, and it was the Sacred Valley leading up to Machu Picchu. And so this is actually, below that is the town where you stop to pick up the train to head to Machu Picchu. And um, this was another one of my favorite places on the trip, and it was beautiful. Uh, but it's, as you can see, it has all the terraces, which is how they farmed back then. That's cool. What else we got? What other pictures we got around here? Oh. That's Machu Picchu. Whoa. Okay, so all the fog, um, that's like when I got there that morning, you couldn't see any of the buildings, like at all. You couldn't see it hardly like two feet in front of you. It was so covered in fog. So I actually waited probably a good hour to take just that picture and the fog still wasn't gone. Wow. That's awesome. I'm jealous. That's Nilly on the right. She's very, very sweet. Um, and then that's uh, Mirai, which is actually there. It was the Incan experimental, agricultural experimental area. So each um, level of the circle represents a different climate. So there can be a mountainous climate, the lower you get, that kind of thing. Um, it's like grow different crops and stuff? Based on how the different climates are. Cool. What else we got? Oh. That's just me with the llama, because I thought the llama was cute. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you guys, you guys know she was in Cusco. Is anybody like seen Emperor's? Did you like it, by the way? I haven't watched it. 
When you go on the Mercy ship, um, where do you want to go? Well, I want to work on it for about two years, so I'd probably go to many, but um, just anywhere that needs it. I mean, you have no preference? I mean, personally, I would love to go to Africa, anywhere. Al, you got a question? Did you eat a Peruvian puff pepper? That's a very important question. I don't know what that is. It's, it's illegal. It's the hottest pepper in the world, isn't it? Isn't it, isn't it illegal? Yeah, no, I did not go near that. Anybody else? Other, other questions that you might have for Jillian? Uh, about anything about our trip? About, uh, Sheree. Okay, so I got to Cusco the first time about 11.30, almost midnight. Um, and then I didn't leave Cusco again until 5.30 in the morning. So all that happened, did you stay Yeah, all that was happening at night. I didn't know how many nights. It's really bad. It's really bad. Um, yeah, so that happened about 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, it was, it was a great moment. No, what you got? Speak up, buddy. Speak up. Nathan, what do you got? How did you get connected with this particular mission? Like, we um, So when I decided that I wanted to study abroad, we just kind of started researching things online just to see if there were any companies that would allow me to go at 17. Was it my mom gonna have to go with me? Like, what was really was it what was it really gonna entail? And so when we came across this site, we saw that it had multiple videos of like people that had gone, the places that you could go. It had many different places to offer. And um, as we just started watching the videos, we realized it was a great organization. Um, so we emailed just to kind of find out more about it, and they emailed us back right away. They were very attentive about that. Um, they sent us more videos. They sent us people that we could contact that had been through the program before. Um, so we just felt it was a very safe, good company to go through. Yes? None of them. So the children didn't speak English, so they understand you? Oh no, I didn't speak English. So you spoke Spanish? Um, I tried to speak Spanish. I mainly just didn't communicate. I communicated through like their emotions. Oh yeah. So he was talking to you in Spanish. Hey y'all.
it's either OR or uh, pediatric endocrinology, which is just um, it deals with your hormones. Uh, Rich, you got some? Yeah. What were some of the other plans? I mean, you chose to use Code Peru. What were some of your other choices that this organization missions do? Um, I didn't really have any other choices. Um, they had um, you could go to like Ecuador, Guatemala. I mean, Quito, Ecuador was one of the places I could go. Um, and it, for those of you that have been to CFAT, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but after doing like some research and that kind of thing, and knowing that actually Courtney's mom had lived in Cusco, and then one of my mom's doctors had lived in Cusco for a while. So after talking to some people that had been there and researching, we figured that that was probably the safest place I could go, because you never really hear about turmoil in Peru on the news. Like, you don't hear about Peru a lot. So we felt it was probably the safest place for me to start. Oh, it's not that there's no bad people. It's just that there's not bad people. So you had there was one story that you shared that you said in Peru, every you said everybody is like extremely Catholic. Is what you said. So like, what what about the statue that was on the street or something that you said every time? Oh, okay. So in random places on the street, they'd have like this cross that they built with like a layover on it, like that. Um, was like covered in stones and crystals and like it was just beautiful that they put over it because it was a sign of respect and that kind of thing and every single time you'd see anyone pass it in a bus or anything you'd see everyone on the bus do the i don't know how to do it but uh, the father the son and the holy spirit they would do it every single time they passed one of those statues how do you do and then they had a huge they had two huge yeah. Anybody else questions or comments or anything? I went into both of them. They're museums. Went I went where? to so many museums. The cathedral. Oh, cathedrals. Yeah. Um, I went into both the cathedrals and then so many museums. I'm kind of tired of museums for like the rest of my life. But um, they still do have a big nun population there, so I went into a nun museum as well. You're gonna be a nun? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought I'd ask a question. No, what you got, man? Museum? Um, there's a museum called Cori Gancha, which is, it's an area that was um, an Incan temple that um, the Spanish then built onto, and it's probably my favorite place. Um, just the entire aspect of it was just beautiful. I mean, the Incan buildings were so perfect. Um, in case you didn't know, they didn't—they don't use concrete or anything. Like there was nothing to like keep their bricks, to their, their pieces of stone together. They actually used the Lego method. So um, in order to keep the stones together, one would have like yeah, thank you. And um, so it was just so cool to see all of that, and that was really displayed in that museum. And to see the difference between the Spanish culture and the Indian culture, which are the two cultures there. Cool. Any last questions? Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, wait, Joe, hand raise. Right oh yeah, you guys can round applause. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Hey, can one of the parents take a picture of us up here? We'll act like it's like improvised or something like that. Is it a good picture? All right. I trust you. I trust you, Adam. I trust you. Oh, there we go. Look straight into the bright light.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And remember, Jillian is no one more special than you. If you feel led to go share the gospel, you can. Doesn't matter if it's locally, doesn't matter if it's internationally. If God is calling you, everything can work out. And he will show you the way to share his grace, his truth, and ultimately his love. Hope you got a lot out of this week. And again, share it. Uh, You can give it to friends, whoever you'd like. And if you have any questions about any other events coming up, any other things happening, contact Pam at pam at kleinumc.org or me, Marshall, at marshall at kleinumc.org. Thanks so much. Thank you.